A fantastic Friday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Though the season is over, the celebration of how special it was for many Grizzlies is not. Tonight, the all-defensive team is named, and that means Jaron Jackson Jr. should certainly get his honors. But will it be first team? Will it be second team? I know he'll get his flowers, but we want him to be with the first team wrapping on them. DeMichael Cole, how are you, sir? What's going on, son? How we doing? It's showtime. It is showtime. Just like Jaron showed up all year on defense, we're about to show you why Locked On Grizzlies is the one and only place when it comes to the best Grizzlies coverage out there. Here we go, the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. As always, pleasure to be with you. I'm co-host of Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal. What a wonderful, wonderful mind, person, beat writer. I don't think I've ever complimented him as much in a five-second interval. Don't get used to it, DeMichael. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. You can also find us right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. I also want to remind you of our uh, title sponsor, BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports when it comes to wagering and betting, that's the best place for you to go. BetOnline.net. So, DeMichael, let's let's start a little bit non-Grizzlies here, all right? We have, as of this recording, we have the first games of both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals in place. Game two of the Eastern Conference Finals is tonight. Hopefully, the Celtics get a bit more, you know, I can't remember if Kyle Lowry is going to be back, but I think that Al Horford is. Horford's back, Kyle's out, I, I think. Yep. Yeah. Overall impressions so far of the final four teams. Like, I get it. It's fun to see basketball at this level, but also it kind of makes you feel as if, man, if the Grizzlies could have just stayed healthy, they could still be making some noise right now. Yeah, uh, Sean, first of all, you're asking me to do a one-game overreaction. I see how you're, you're twisting it to make me do this one-game overreaction. I Real smooth, real smooth. But uh, I mean, are I you mean, gonna get? Are you gonna get to it or not? I mean, <laughs> just waiting. With these four teams, I mean, these are these are four of the best teams playing here. This is always the thing, you know. I saw with the Suns, they finished their last eighteen or so games. It was it was like nine and nine or something like that. Um, the Mavs had the second best record in the NBA, you know, since mid January. The Celtics also, you know, turned it on in January around that time. The Heat have been pretty consistent all season. Uh, the Warriors, of course, were at the top of the NBA until health problems, and now they're back healthy. So they're kind of playing back at that level. I think that's that's all it is with these four teams. There's a couple teams that just got really hot, and there are a couple teams that just you expected, you know, to be in this situation in terms of the Heat and the Warriors. And, I mean, those two teams, the Heat and the Warriors, won pretty convincingly in those uh, first games. I think overall this series will be very competitive because defense, you know. The thing about defense is defense travels, and and the Mavs and the Celtics both play defense. So you can game one, game two, no matter how it goes, as we've seen in a couple of these other series, 2-0 leads don't mean anything if you're just holding home court. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, the whole thing about winning basketball series is defending home court. The Grizzlies 
struggled with that a bit when it came to their series. You know, they lost game one both times, um, though they were able to win game five both times. You know, they eventually made adjustments to defend home court. But the other thing that I want to talk with you about today, DeMichael, is I agree with you. You bring up an excellent point. The what stands out in the playoffs is which teams are performing the best towards the end of the season. And you brought up a great point. The Warriors are healthy. The Heat are healthy. And the Celtics and Mavs arguably have been two of the three best teams in basketball over the past three months. But I'll tell you this also. When it comes to awards races, when it comes to what players should be named to what teams, it's also about who finishes well, who does well, who stands out above the rest. And tonight, we're going to see the all-defensive team named. And we're hoping that a certain seven-foot-tall unicorn is on that NBA first team. DeMichael, when you look back at the Defensive Player of the Year voting, Jaron Jackson Jr. finished fifth, much closer to the top four than he was to those after him, which included Giannis. But when you look at Jaron Jackson Jr.'s performance, does it stand out? When you look at other front court players, does Jaron clearly stand out as a first-team all-defensive level player? So I, I know your answer to this. Uh I just, I mean, we know how this voting works for the most part. And I, I would say not this season. And and there are going to be people saying, well, why? You know, he had the blocks. He was consistent all year. He was available. The most healthy season of his career. I agree with all of that. The team defensive numbers, if you look at the, at the Grizzlies, top of the NBA and steals, blocks, deflections, uh, his hands are all over a lot of those numbers. Uh, with all of that being said, it's more, you know, a reputation standpoint. You can all, almost pencil Rudy Gobert in. That's one of the spots right there. And then, of course, you're going to have Marcus Smart and Mikael Bridges, top two in Defensive Player of the Year uh, voting. And that's not a given. I mean, again, Grizzlies fans know all too well. Uh, we saw Mark Gasol win Defensive Player of the Year and not even be voted first team all defense. So Grizzlies fans know, you know, how this works. Yeah, it, it can be tricky. But I think overall he has a real good shot because there are going to be three front court spots. An intriguing point is where will they list Mikael Bridges? Because if he's listed as guard versus forward, I didn't have a ballot. So I, I wouldn't be able to tell you uh, how all defensive team uh, the ballot looks in terms of if he's lifted, listed at guard versus forward slash forward, Mikael Bridges will get one of the guard spots, possibly beside Marcus Smart. If he's listed as a forward, I think that takes away one of the forward spots. And then you have Rudy Gobert in a spot. And now you have Jaron Jackson Jr. battling Bam Adebayo and Giannis for one spot instead of battling Bam and Giannis for two. If he's battling those guys for two spots, I really like his chances because he's played, he was had a healthier season than Bam, and he had a better defensive season than Giannis, just straight up. But Giannis, there's a reputation factor there. Bam, there's a reputation factor there, and he played on the number one team, even though he played 56 games or so. I, it's it's hard for me to see it. I'd love I, it, it'd be nice, you know, to see the Grizzlies get that recognition of a first team All NBA defender. But Sean, um, just the optics of it, I, I'm not liking his chances. Especially, I'm I feel like Mikael Bridges will be listed as a forward. He's if he's listed at forward, then someone like Drew Holiday will get that other guard spot, and, and you know, there's no hope. No, your breakdown was as on point as it can be. It was excellent perspective. And I agree with you. You know, at the end of the day, you're hoping that Mikael Bridges becomes a guard. And then you have three or four front court players, Giannis, Gobert, 
um, or Jaron, and then obviously Bam. And here's the perspectives that matter, right? When you, it's kind of like the Taylor Jenkins, Monty Williams, you know, conversation. In right. terms of this year, in terms of this year, I fully feel it's clear. Many, many will understand the argument. Many will support the argument. Taylor Jenkins did a better job coaching this year than Monty Williams. He exceeded expectations more than Monty Williams did. The same can be said about Jaron. And if we truly were basing it just on this year, there's a reason he was fifth in Defensive Player of the Year voting. There's a reason why he was able to be among the top five defenders in the league and why I think he should be first-team all-defense if we base it just on this year. And let's also not forget, and I'm someone who typically tries to stay away from including team perspective into an individual conversation, but when you consider the fact that the Grizzlies were the second youngest team in the league, they were without their best perceived defender for much of the year in Dylan Brooks, and yet they had the fourth best defense in the league, mainly due to the fact that they were first in blocks, first in steals, and Jaron Jackson Jr. led the team and saw led the league in stocks this year. That matters. But is it enough? Do voters want to go into the numbers enough and put it enough on this season to overcome just, hey, if we see two guys even, just go with the guy with the better reputation? And that's, to your point, why I think that Jaron may be the odd man out, even if there's three positions and you have those four players that I mentioned to choose from. And to your other point, Jaron may not have the reputation this year, but this is where it starts. This mm -hmm. is the year he's establishing that reputation so that moving forward, he can be in the position that a Giannis or a Gobert or Bam are. So I, I do feel that in terms of this season, he is a first-team all-level defender. He deserves to be a first-team all-level defender, especially with how good the Grizzlies' defense was statistically. But I also don't know if it's enough to push the narrative to where you're going to overcome the reputations that are already there with those other three players I mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you mentioned it in terms of the reputation. We have a couple examples just, just this season. I remember when Giannis first started making his name into this whole defensive, you know, player thing. You know, I believe he finished second one year before he won uh, the next season. And then with Mikael Bridges, uh, similar thing. Last year he had a great defensive season, and I think he didn't make an all-defensive team because Matisse Thibel, because this is back when I was at the Enquirer, it was a, it was a big deal uh, back then in Philadelphia between Mikael Bridges and Matisse Thibel getting that last spot. Matisse Thibel got that spot. But Mikael Bridges earned that, you know, reputation to where this season, probably on par or not even as good defensively as last season, but just reputation alone and the fact that more people are just paying attention to him after they found out his name last season. Now he's finishing second in defensive player of the year voting, got a you know a decent amount of votes. So yeah, at the end of the day, the reputation factor is there. Jaron Jackson Jr. has earned his reputation. More people are aware of what he's doing. That's going to carry him throughout the rest of his career as an all-defensive all team uh, caliber defender. Uh, we'll see how it ends up this year. It, it's very iffy. I'm really stuck on the how Mikael Bridges is listed part. Absolutely. And the thing that stands out is this, is that as consistent as Jaron Jackson Jr. was, it led to the team being consistent as well. But are the numbers a bit higher than the quality of the Grizzlies defense actually is? We'll discuss that 
in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk with you a bit about our title sponsor, BetOnline.net. Listen, if you like to wager and bet on sports, if you want to wager and bet that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be named first team all defense, well, hey, BetOnline.net is the best place for you to do it. Because I'll tell you this, if you're someone that enjoys wagering and betting on sports, the one thing you don't want to have to do is worry about how you can place those bets. You want to worry about making the right bets. Whether you're on your mobile device or laptop, BetOnline is going to have you covered. Go to BetOnline.net. Put in, the, put in any type of bet that you want, and you're going to get taken care of. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, Vegas casino games. Whatever you choose to bet on, betonline.net is the best place for you to do it. Check out betonline.net today. So, DeMichael, I'll tell you this. I know that we're in the Grizzlies offseason, but there still is so much to talk about around the NBA, and that includes the Locked on NBA podcast. You want the latest of what's going on around the playoffs plus the draft, what have you? The Locked On NBA podcast is the place to go. Make sure you check it out as your second listen of the day after Locked On Grizzlies is your first listen of the day. So DeMichael looked up to, looked up a few numbers here. And the Grizzlies, I think that it's a bit of a surprise. I really do. I think it's a bit of a surprise to realize that in terms of defensive rating, the Grizzlies were fourth in the regular season and they were fourth in the postseason. Like, I can tell you for certain when it comes to the postseason, I, I didn't feel the Grizzlies were, were, were that good. But mm-hmm. offense has mm-hmm. kind of gone up a little bit, so they still had good defensive numbers. But the thing that I'll say is this, is that one of the reasons why the Grizzlies were so good on defense is because they led the league in steals, led the league in blocks. They led the league in defensive activity. But I'll ask you this question, DeMichael. I feel the Grizzlies clearly were a top 10 defense for much of the year. But do you get the feeling that they truly were a top five elite defense for much of this season? What are are the football fans? Uh, I'm going to use the football analogies here because this Grizzlies defense, and I know most of the people on here are probably Titans fans, but I'm going to think of recent Baltimore Ravens defenses. Baltimore, Sean, fix your face. It's just for analogy. It's just an analogy. Fix your face. Who cares about the Baltimore Ravens? Nobody cares about the Baltimore Ravens. It's just, just stick with the analogy, Sean. All right, fine. Heaviest blitzing team in the NFL past few seasons, right? Uh, what comes with that is they create a lot of you know turnovers off of that type of defense. They're but they're prone to give up big plays every now and then. Really good defense, but they're not known as that stocky defense like the San Francisco 49ers and, you know, uh, those type groups who really stand you up and force you to earn every single yard. That's not the Grizzlies. From a field goal percentage, defensive field goal percentage perspective, they're not going to just swarm you down into 80-point games. That's not their style. Uh, their style is jumping into those passing lanes and and creating havoc, getting out in transition, pushing the pace, rebounding the basketball, keeping you off the offensive glass. That's Grizzlies basketball. It's 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 more around havoc and things like that. Now, when you think of those defenses who take you down in defensive field goal percentage, those are the teams who have the Boston Celtics, for example, where you have uh, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, and Al Horford all on the floor together. Five guys, arguably, who can you know be in the all defensive team conversation like legit across the board. And even when you throw Derek White in there, uh, another guy who can be in that conversation. With the Grizzlies, you have Dylan Brooks, you have Jaron Jackson Jr. in that conversation. John Moran is not in that conversation. Desmond Banks is not in that conversation. So with that being said, 
I think the Grizzlies just have a formula. And this is what I talked to Hubie Brown about earlier this year when I wrote the story on him when he came back to Memphis because it was similar to the 2004 Grizzlies team, the first 50-win team in franchise history, Sean, made a name for creating havoc, steals and blocks. And he talked about you don't have to have five great individual defenders. It'd be great to have because it makes you makes your scheme even simpler. You know, you don't have to do too much. But when you don't have that, you 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 take risks, you take gambles, and and that's what the Grizzlies did this season. That's why we saw games, you know, like when they played the Warriors, they held them under a hundred points. Then we saw games where the Warriors had one of their highest scoring playoff games in franchise history. You know, it was very feast or famine at times. But I'm with you, Sean. Top ten defense for sure because the feast was there a lot, as evidenced by them stealing the ball as much as they did. The people on the Warriors side that I talked to, Sean. Let's just say they they were telling me they were happy to get out of that series with the Grizzlies. Uh, I had, had people telling me things like, oh, no matter who they play between the Mavs and the Suns, they're not going to turn the ball over like this anymore. No team's going to force them to turn over. They were pretty much, you know, aggravated by the way the Grizzlies were forcing them to turn over the ball. And I think that's that's just the perfect, you know, synopsis of the way the Grizzlies play defense. Man, I'm gonna give you a compliment. You were on your game today. That football analogy was was excellent. You picked the wrong team. I, you know, whatever about the Baltimore Ravens, go Titans. I'm kidding, <laughs> but excellent example. But the other thing that I'll say is this: is that while the Grizzlies are a team, the you know, I asked Taylor Jenkins, and I know that this. I actually asked him this back in February of 2001, and I know mm-hmm. that that's 15 months ago. But the thing that I asked him was was that. You are a very you lead a very opportunistic defense. Is this what you're wanting? The consistent when we talk about the Grizzlies playing a high level of defense, is this what you're meaning by that version? And he said he wanted to be opportunistic, but he also wanted to be consistent. And mm-hmm. one area where the Grizzlies did improve this year, to Michael, they were 11th in the league in opponents three point field goal percentage, 12th in the league in opponents three point field goals. 2020-2021 season, opponents shot 36.7% from three. Yep. This year, 34% from three. So when you combine them leading the league in steals, leading the league in blocks, when you see the improvement they made at defending the three, and when you consider the fact they did this for two-thirds of the season without Dylan Brooks, you're really starting to get an idea, okay, maybe they're not a top-five true defense in the NBA but they certainly are in a much more advanced version of themselves than they were even a year ago. And that has to really, really be encouraging heading into the offseason. Yeah, and and, that, and that's where it goes into that growth we always talk about, Sean. Me and you talk about – we talk about it mainly from the offensive perspective with guys like Zaire shooting the ball better, Desmond Bain having a you know bigger package in his offensive repertoire, uh, John Morant winning most improved player and you know his scoring bump it up the way it did we talk about it from that perspective but it ties into the defense too you know Taylor Jenkins was able to do more with that team defensively this year and 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 you saw the trust I think in Jaron Jackson Jr. was was there a little bit more uh than in the past uh he trusted him when Jaron Jackson Jr. would come in the game with two fouls and, and three fouls you know in the third quarter and and four fouls in the fourth quarter. And sometimes he got burned in those situations. But there were times where it really benefited the team. But overall, just the trust factor went up. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, one day I was talking to him, Sean, just about 
defensive schemes and how they were guarding a certain player. And I could just see it in his head. Just the numbers, just everything that Taylor Jenkins said just like went to his brain really quick. And then he just stops and he says, man, so many things are going through my head right now. And I think that was just the perfect, you know, that, that's this defense. They throw so many different things at you. Taylor Jenkins talks a lot about mixing up coverages, blitzing guys, trapping guys, uh, soft hedging guys, just di- coming at them different type of ways throughout the course of a game. And that's how you create those turnovers. They expect to see one thing and they anticipate it and you throw another thing at them and then boom, you trick them. They're turning the ball over. That's the Grizzlies defense. And it's because it's the third season in the system. He was able to add more things on this year. And not only is it that, the players were more knowledgeable and more sound. And not only that, it's the same group of players. So the trust is there. When John Morant gets beat off the ball, he knows, oh, Jaron Jackson's going to have my back or, you know, things like that. So the trust factor is there too. And to your point, the trust factor, you know, that leads to communication. And and mm-hmm. we talk about this team being the second youngest team in the league, which I think, you know, should be relevant to make this so impressive. But you also have to consider this team has played together. This core has played together for three straight seasons. That's a pretty good length of time for NBA teams, especially when you're exceeding expectations. So they, even though they're very young, they know each other very well. And that's what plays to their strengths. Another thing that'll play to your strength, and I know that you know this, Michael, though I still cannot figure out why you enjoy this late at night, 3 a.m. in the morning when you're working on one of your stories for the commercial appeal. That's Bill Bar. Bill Bar, I, we talk about puffs, we talk about bars. What was it again, Michael? You like the you like the coconut blast. Sean, Sean, why, why are you playing with me? Because you know I'm a white chocolates cookies and cream man. That's it, Sean. 3 a.m. 4 a.m., 6 a.m., 12 in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. Give me my white chocolates, cookies, and cream. The whole point is, to DeMichael's point, no matter if you're having it in the morning, having it for lunch, having it in the afternoon for a snack, it's a healthy, beneficial snack that you can add to your daily diet. Go to the promo, go use the promo code LOCK15 when you go to Built Bar. When you go to Built.com, put in the promo code LOCK15, you get 15% off your next order of Built Bar. And hey, like DeMichael says, whenever you want to enjoy it, it's going to make your day better. Go to Built.com. Put in the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Hey, I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be plenty of excitement over the next few days as we hope to see Jaron make the NBA All-Defensive First Team. Ja, early next week, hopefully will be named. I don't know if first team All-NBA is going to happen, but hopefully second team. We're going to have two of the Grizzlies, two biggest stars, start to see the fruits of their labor pay off with some league-wide recognition. We'll have that and much more on next week's editions of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So, a little trivia here for you, DeMichael. You tripped me up last time. Let's go. All right. All right. Here we go. Of the four-man Grizzlies lineups in the regular season. Oh, boy. Here you go. Any lineup that played 200 or more minutes. Oh, boy. Name me three of the four players that were in the Grizzlies' best defensive lineup? Three of the four players. Three of the four players that were in the Grizzlies' best defensive four-man lineup. I'm going to take some time here so so our locked-on uh, okay. listeners can try to get their list together as well as I put mine out there. But you said three of the four players. 
So here we go. I'm gonna throw Jaron Jackson Jr. in there. Yeah. All right. That's a that's a layup. All right. Two hundred minutes. Okay. Two hundred minutes. So we're gonna go Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh. Let's throw. I think you're trying to trick me. Let's throw John Conchar in there. No, it's not John Conchar. Fine, fine. Okay. All right. Uh, Tyus Jones. A very good guess, but no. All right, all right. So I got to get these right. Fine. Okay. Uh, how many more players? You said three of the four? Yep, so you got one. Okay. I only got Jaron Jackson Jr. All right. Jeez, uh, the best defensive lineups. Think starting lineup. Oh, really? John Morant's in there? Okay, that's right. All right, uh, Desmond Bain. Yep. Dylan Brooks. Yep. There's Steven three. Adams. Steven Adams. Steven Adams. As a matter of fact, that's the reason why the Grizzlies lineup was so good with Jaw. The Grizzlies lineup that had the best defensive rating, 200 minutes or more played, were the five starters when the Grizzlies were at their best. Jaw, not included in it, but Des, Dylan, Sharon, and Steven Adams. And I bring up this point. I, I bring it to this point. We've talked about the fact that Jaw, the best version of this team probably moving forward is Jaw surrounded by a strong defense. Yep. I don't think anybody really got to the point of thinking that Jaron was going to be a defensive player of the year. But without a doubt, despite the fact that Dylan was out for much of the season, the Grizzlies were still playing at their best defensively when he was on the court. And the reason why I think that that is, is because when you look at the defensive combination of, as you mentioned, Dylan and Jaron, that makes the other three players on the court be so free to be able to do what they need to do. It allows for those other players to get the steals, get the blocks. It allows for those other players to effectively scramble, communicate, what have you. Having those two command centers, and I'll even go to the point of putting Kyle Anderson on there, who yep. I think is underrated when it comes to his communication, making adjustments. He's kind of Taylor Jenkins' coach out there when Dylan and Jaron aren't out there together. But you got that. You just got different levels to Michael that really stand out. And the other big factor in this is this. Well, we'll first talk about the starting lineup, and then I'll get to my point. But my point is, if teams wanted to see the Grizzlies with a strong defense to support John Morant in their starting lineup, they got it much earlier than they expected this season. Yeah, and I want to go back to your point when you talk about building the defense around those two guys. I think get Steven Adams this year was really important as well because what we saw up close is Jaron Jackson. Oh, I'm I'm feeling the football analogies today. I I, I really am. Um uh, let's 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 use a Titans player. Why not? Kevin Byard. Name How did Kevin you, Byard. you you knew where I was going. You knew where I was going. Jaron Jackson was Kevin Byard, you know, for this team. Think about you know, all the linebackers, and this has been over, you know, the Titans for a three, four-year period with Kevin Byer back there at safety, even, you know, with the other safeties, uh, Kenny Fakaro, <laughs> the other safeties that they had, you know, were box safeties for the most part. These guys come up, take care of the dirty work, and let him roam free, you know, make all of the plays. I think that's Steven Adams. On the back, I think what we saw with the Grizzlies is Steven Adams – was able to cover up the back line, which allowed Jaron Jackson. If you look at, if you just go to YouTube and just look at a Jaron Jackson uh, block highlight tape, they're not all going to be blocks of him, you know, knocking blocks off of the backboard. You're going to see him contesting shots on the perimeter. 
You're going to see him jumping out to the three-point line, contesting the shot. You're going to see him coming over from the help side, you know, blocking shots. You're going to see him all over the floor. Like a safety, if you go look at Kevin Byers' tape, you're not going to see him, you know, making tackles, all his tackles on the left hash or on the right hash. You're going to see him all over the place. That's Jaron Jackson Jr. in his defense. Steven Adams is a big reason for that because uh, if you don't have Steven Adams back there, you kind of want to keep, you know, Jaron Jackson, a la a Rudy Gobert, for example. You look at Rudy Gobert's blocks, they're all in this 15 to 20 feet radius. He's not blocking a lot of shots at the three-point line, a la a Jaron Jackson Jr. Bam Adebayo gets a lot of his blocks in that similar way. But again, um, Steven Adams is a big reason why Jaron Jackson has that freedom. And you touched on Dylan Brooks. Uh, he, he, We saw it, I think, in that Timberwolves series more than any. D'Angelo Russell, we talked about it, Sean. He was one of the big players we talked about going into that series, averaged over 30 points in a regular season versus the Grizzlies. D'Angelo Russell was a no-show in that playoff series. Completely went MIA. That series was Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. That was because Taylor Jenkins put him on D'Angelo Russell, put Dylan Brooks on D'Angelo Russell, completely wiped them out the game. And to your point, Dylan Brooks, you know, we'll have plenty of conversations about him. And, you know, I think that you'll be surprised with some of our perspectives when it comes to Dylan Brooks. But let's be honest. There's a reason why Dylan Brooks is a valuable basketball player, and he showed it when he was in the game. The Grizzlies defense was at their best when he was in the game. But, but with him out for much of the season, the reason why overall the Grizzlies didn't fall off it's because of how good their depth was defensively. I've mentioned it many times on here. I wrote about it over at Grizzly Bear Blues. I've talked with Taylor Jenkins and the players about it. When you match up the defensive versatility, switchability of the Grizzlies bench players, I would put their overall ability when it comes to our reserves against any other NBA teams in the league. You want to talk about a guy who was in three, we talk about the top four-man lineup that had the best defensive rating for the Grizzlies, there's another guy who was in the second, third, and fourth hmm. versions of that. His name is Tyus Jones. You may not have assumed it, but Tyus Jones actually played very good defense at times this year. But you look at the ability of Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark being out on the perimeter, not being guys who on islands are liabilities because of how good they are defensively. You talk about Zaire Williams knowing how to use his length as the season went along. DeAnthony Melton being the turnover-causing machine that we all know he can be. There's a lot of versatility to go with the command center that Kyle Anderson is with his instincts and intelligence. There are so many different versatile ways you can use different parts of the Grizzlies defense. That's also what contributed to it. There were many different ways that Taylor Jenkins could deploy coverages, and he did it well because he knew that the pieces that he was using could offer their skills up at different point in times to get the job done. Uh, before I make my point here, I just I just want to point out something really quick. Sean does all this talking about the beginning about me being so smart. But but just if you just heard him there, when I guess Tyus Jones, he didn't make that point that Tyus Jones was on the second, third, and fourth highest rated defensive teams. He left me in the cold, tried to make me seem like I didn't know what I was talking about. But again, that's Sean for you. We're going to interrupt Locked On Grizzlies for just a second to present to you DeMichael's tissue break. Go ahead. Go ahead, DeMichael. Sean, Sean, the only tissue that the Grizzlies will need is if they let Kyle Anderson go. Because, 
I'm I'm getting to your point. I've seen people. I mean, I gotten a lot of emails and responses to the story that I, that I wrote about Tyus Jones and and you know trying to retain him in free agency. And a lot of people pointed out, uh, let Tyus. I mean, let Kyle go, but resign Tyus. And I and I just want to make back up your point, reiterate that Kyle Anderson guarded point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, power forwards, and Carl Anthony Towns in the playoffs as a starter. We saw it all season long. We saw him start games at small forward. We saw him start games at power forward. We saw him guard Carl Anthony Towns in the first round. We saw him guard DeMar DeRozan when he was the hottest player in the NBA. He needed one basket at the end of the game. Kyle Anderson went in that huddle and said, give me DeMar. He went in the huddle, said, give me DeMar DeRozan, stripped the ball out of his hands. Grizzlies got the win. He's important, man, and I think people people are overlooking it because there's the flash factor. But you talk about, you know, that first team, you know, in the defense of the starters, but you just mentioned it with Tyus. Then there's Kyle Melton with his deflections and things like that, the way, you know, he is probably top guy when you talk about creating havoc right up there with Jaron Jackson Jr. He's the top guy on the wing at doing that. Dylan Brooks, more of your sound defender. You know, just stays in the guy, creates low field goal percentages, uh, scrapper, dives on the floor. De'Anthony Melton is more, he's going to, you know, get the steals, uh, get deflections on the ball, tip passes, things like that. They have a lot of different guys, as, as you pointed out, a lot of different type of players who play defense. And all in all, that's why Taylor Jenkins is able to come at these teams in so many different ways. And if you get this group, for the most part, this group is going to be back again next year. Um they're going to come at you in a bunch of different ways again, and they're going to continue to be a pretty tough defense to solve. So let's see here. You you do a podcast, again, without me, earlier this week talking about the breakout potential year next year of Zion <laughs> Williams. You want to keep Kyle Anderson because of how versatile he is for our defense, but you know that opportunity has to be out there with Zaire. It's going to lead to some tough conversations. And, oh, me and DeMichael are going to have them this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Some tough conversations, and, and I think that some of the listeners know what I'm potentially hinting at, but we'll save that for another time. The point is, is that the thing about it is that stands out, is that we talk about how exciting the offense is for the Grizzlies, and for good reason. Their best player is an outstanding offensive contributor, who, contributor, who I will point out, and I will be passionate pointing this out, played better than expected defense for much of the playoffs. But, you know, you have your opinion, whatever there. The point that I'm getting at is this Grizzlies team took strides defensively. And as good as Jaron was, as good as, as Dylan was when he was playing, it took the whole team stepping up and doing well, developing all year long when it came to playing defense. And the numbers certainly showed it. Hopefully, they'll continue to be a staple of this Grizzlies team. And that may eventually be why they win a championship here with the Grizzlies. DeMichael, you got anything else for us before we head out for the week? That's it. Just make sure when you see an all-defensive team, wherever Jaron Jackson is this season, is only a precursor for what's uh-huh. about to happen going forward. Not just Jaron Jackson. If Dylan Brooks is on this team going forward, uh, I, I think we'll see his name in those conversations, and we'll just see the Grizzlies get more attention just by one player. That's kind of how it works. One player gets the ball rolling, more eyes are going to be on the Grizzlies defensively. And you'll see even more players potentially, you know, Dylan Brooks get his name involved in that conversation too. 
It's going to be exciting to see. And Camp, thank you enough for joining us here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Enjoy a fun weekend of basketball. Hopefully it's going to be added to by Jaron Jackson Jr. making first team all defense. For DeMichael Cole, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Have a great weekend.